a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. This is a special edition of the 40 Club. We are sponsored by Johnny T shirt and johnnytshirt.com. With the special edition of the 40 Club, I mean, special guest. And I've got two of them, at least one, but definitely two for me personally. And I'm going to kick it to the first one. Sherelle McMillan and I have not done a show in quite some time. Joey Powell has taken over my role um, as Sherelle's partner. So, Sherelle, I'll let you introduce the true special guest that we have today. Yeah, so I, I think special is the right word. Um, this is a woman who has done a lot in a short amount of time um, in collegiate athletics and now uh, for US, USA basketball. So our guest is Jennifer Lynn Williams. Um, old heads might know her as JT from when she played at UNC. Um, she played for four years at Carolina, um, was a team captain for two of them. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and I see her as kind of like a bridge between really great eras of UNC women's basketball, kind of the Coretta Brown, uh, Nikki Teasley, Laquanda Barksdale crew. And then she kind of bridged into what would become eventually the Ivory Latta years. So to me, she like has her hand in both kind of the, the old school UNC women's basketball team that was so good. And then the one that went to, I think two final fours in yep. uh, consecutive seasons. Um, right now, she uh, is the chief development officer of the USA Basketball Foundation, and she started that role in July. So I think that's where we wanted to start. Um, can you kind of tell us how that came to be? Uh, before we go there, she was also um, an athletic director at uh, Alabama State University for three years. Is that right? Uh, yes, I was in on for a year and then, yeah, three years. Yeah. So obviously, again, well-traveled, um, done a lot of things, but we want to start with your most recent role. Can you kind of walk us through that, how that happened and kind of what you do? Yeah, so, um, well, thank you all for having me. And um, so with my role with USA Basketball, it really, it just kind of came um, out of nowhere, to be honest. Um, you know, I um, knew that, um, I was, I was, I'm always, I, I set a lot of goals. So I do a lot of career mapping and I knew that my time at Alabama state um, just for me personally was going to be coming to an end, um, but just always just thinking about what's next. And so um, while I was pregnant, um, I was like seven months pregnant, a friend of mine who works for USA hockey reached out to me and asked me if I would have a conversation with the CEO, just to kind of give him some names of some people who may be interested in the role. Um, I serve on a lot of development committees um, that kind of oversee athletic development on the collegiate landscape. And so she knew I would have some names of people that could probably be recommended for the job. So I agreed, um, myself and the CEO had a very um, casual conversation. Um, it was super organic, um, just through our 
conversation, we knew a lot of people in the same circle. Um, he had actually started at USA Basketball with Coach Tracy Williams Johnson, who was my coach, uh, was one of the assistant coaches when I was at Carolina. So just knew a lot of people in the same circle. We talked. Um, I thought it was a cool position. But again, at that time, I was really focusing on having a healthy pregnancy and finishing that up and then getting my student athletes um, back to return to play in January um, because we did not participate in fall competition. Um, we opted out, but people would start playing in January. So that was kind of my focus. Um, gave him some names, just thanked him for, you know, the time and, you know, told him I would help in any way. So I had my son um, January 2021 and um, my friend reached out and was just basically was like, hey, um, the job is posted you know, I wish you would have expressed more interest because he really, really liked you. And so um, some things that kind of changed with the job a little bit, had more of a conversation and it just kind of went from there. Um, you know, it wasn't something that I had saw and, you know, initially back in November and was like, yes, I need to get out. But it just came about and um, it was kind of like the job was just meant for me. What he was looking for, um, my background um, was in external fundraising, marketing. And so it kind of like this position was made for me. And so after just kind of filling it out, because I always tell people you have to interview as well. Like you're being interviewed, but you have to interview the organization to make sure it's about fit. And so I just felt it was a great fit. And um, my husband was on board with it. So we made the leap to Colorado Springs in August. So what's it been like? What, what are your kind of primary responsibilities? Like what, what is it that you do on a day-to-day? -day? Yeah, so um, the foundation um, was established in the end of 2019, right before the pandemic kind of set in. And so the gentleman there um, that was my predecessor, he ended up leaving um, probably within, I think, maybe seven months. And my goal has really been to come in um, with the foundation. We support USA Basketball, specifically the youth programming, raising money, obviously, um, for youth programming. Um, we want to promote um, social responsibility. We want to champion women and empower our youth. A lot of people think of USA Basketball and they think of our Olympic teams, but it's so much more. Um, I don't think people understand a lot of the coaches academies we put on our three by three teams that it's new to the Olympics, but a lot of tournaments you have to play in even build up points to qualify for the Olympics. So we sponsor a lot of programming that people don't know, and it takes funding to support that. And so my job is really to oversee the foundation and find ways to support that through gifts, um, donations, as well as in-kind and corporate um, sponsorships as well really have been um, just surveying the landscape, um, looking at the platforms we're using, connecting with our donors because they hadn't been touched um, during that lapse um, of leadership in the foundation. And so really reconnecting them, thanking them, and then also looking to cultivate and prospect new donors to come and on board and support what we have going on. So you, you kind of went where I wanted to take it there um, when you said a lot of people think USA basketball is strictly Olympic teams and, and what they see um, every two, four years or, or whatever. Talk a little bit more about what all is involved with USA basketball, because I think the biggest thing is, like you mentioned, empowering women, the youth um, side of it. Just, just share some more about that so people get a good idea of it's not just 
the pro guys <laughs> going out there and playing in the Olympics. Exactly. Yeah. Um, my focus is really on growing the game of basketball and going into underrepresented um, populations, going to areas where there may not be as many resources and really trying to teach those skills that I learned as a basketball student athlete to our youth, because not everyone's going to be an Olympian. So how do we develop champions and pros in life? That's really what my focus has been on. But again, we have clinics all over the country. Now, COVID did stop that, obviously. Um, but our youth, we have a whole youth and development um, unit that goes out and put on these clinics. Like I believe they're in DC right now. Um, and then under that unit as well is our new three-on-three um, entity, which that was new to the Olympics this year. And so they managed that. And we have our America qualifiers in Miami in a couple of weeks. So um, the coaches academies, we just did a women's in the game event where we really focus on um, empowering women and champion women and teaching them about how to get connected to sport. Um, you see a lot of men in sport, in um, athletic administration, the pros, but how do young women break into that mode? And so that was a lot of what the Women in the Game program. And those are programs we want to continue to put on. Um, another program that I'm going to be working toward is the 50th year of Title IX. And we will have activities, um, you know, I'll put on something at the final four, the women's final four to celebrate that. And so we are just looking at ways to highlight um, the game of basketball and bring people under the fold who may not know about, um, you know, what sport can do. But we believe that basketball is just such a great sport and it teaches you so many life skills, um, you know, take the other skills like just being on the court, but off the court skills that will really help you be that champion in life. I agree with hundred percent with that. I mean, if, if you play a team sport, especially you, you got, you, you get so many skills that you can use forever. And, and basketball is probably one of the best because there's not too many people out there, but there's more than just you and you have to get it done. Let me ask you a, a question as I've listened to you talk and you mentioned career mapping earlier and mm -hmm. what was it like? being a young woman deciding what you wanted to do? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I always knew um, that I, I wanted to do any, something that had to help people. I wanted to help people. Um, when I came to Carolina, I knew that I love sports. So figuring that out, at first I wanted to, to go into journalism. Um, obviously, Sherelle and I, we were in the J school together. But um, I knew that I never wanted to coach but was really trying to figure out how I could impact the sport that I loved and help people and help student athletes. That was kind of what I was figuring, trying to figure out at Carolina, the best way to do that. And so um, the idea of working in athletic administration, um, you know, Dick Fedor, he was the AD while I was there. He was very present. Um, he came to all of our games. Um, I was on SAC. I was the women's basketball representative. So, you know, between working with uh, Larry Gallo, and, 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 and um, Dick Bedour and then Dr. Miller, um, you know, I was, I saw what administrators did. Um, so I always knew, I was like, if I get into athletic administration, I want to be AD. And so um, I actually met the family who endowed my scholarship. And um, that kind of 
put me on that path with fundraising because I really didn't know a lot about development and fundraising. And then through the Rams Club, we, we used to have a, a banquet and I don't know if they still do that where you can meet the donors and then folks who have endowed, if you're one of those endowed a scholarship. And that really opened my eyes to the inner workings of the athletic department. Um, once I graduated from Carolina, I did um, work with Fox Sports Net South in Atlanta. And um, it was an internship opportunity through the ACC where they took three student athletes from each ACC institution and you pretty much interviewed at the ACC offices. And so I selected Fox, they selected me, um, but I didn't feel fulfilled there. Um, I knew that it was more to the story. Um, people, you know, tell you, oh, you're so great, you should stick to it. But internally, I just felt like I just wasn't happy doing that in that role. So I had a scholarship through the WBCA. It was the Robin Roberts Sports Communication Scholarship. And um, I always wanted to go to a historically Black college and university. And so I knew that I was going to use that postgraduate scholarship to go to an HBCU. And I was familiar with North Carolina Central because it was literally right up the street from Carolina. And I had some friends who went there. And so I ended up going to North Carolina Central. But um, to say all that is that I really focused when I decided to step away from television, I really focused on kind of my mapping of how I would get to that ADC. And to me, fundraising and going through the external route was going to be the fastest way for me. And even though there wasn't a lot of women, especially women of color that was in fundraising roles, um, that was external marketing, I felt like that was something and that I can break that barrier and have success doing um, just with my skill set. And so that was kind of how I got locked in on um, the route that I wanted to go through, which was development, fundraising, and then ultimately being an AD. So I wanted to go back just a little bit. You talked about uh, basketball and you want to show um, people, especially you know, young girls, young women, what it can do for them and what it can do for their life and, and how their life can change through basketball. Um, this is a very high level answer and I'm putting you on the spot, but tell me how just being involved in basketball um, for all these years has, has changed your life. Oh, that's, that's a great question, Sherelle. Um, it's really instilled confidence, a lot of confidence in me. I was always a confident kid, um, but it just took it to a whole nother level. Um, when you can go out there and have success despite obstacles and, um, you know, just hardships, it really teaches you resiliency and it teaches you something about your character. And um, I tell people all the time, if it wasn't for me being a student athlete, a basketball student athlete, I wouldn't have been able to lead a division one athletic department during a pandemic. And, um, you know, the skills I learned, uh, perseverance, hard work, um, you know, just resiliency, never quitting. Those are all skills that came through basketball. In order to be the best, you got to work the hardest. And I wanted to be the best basketball player. And so I was always in the gym, but um, it taught you how to flex and pivot. COVID taught us that we have to be flexible and be able to pivot. And so those are all skill sets I learned not to get frazzled under pressure. I tell them never let, never let them see you sweat. You know, um, people would never know some of the things that I was dealing with as an athletic director um, one, a one of few female athletic division, one athletic directors in the deep South, you know, it, it was hard being a woman and being an AD 
um, in a leadership role in the deep south. Um, and it's probably anywhere, but I'm gonna say specifically in the deep south. And so, um, but we still had success. We won 43 championships while I was the athletic director at Alabama State. We won um, the commissioner's cup, which is given to the top team in the conference six years in a row, um, three out of my four years at the helm. And so, um, you know, all of this is I attribute to just being a, a student athlete, the competitiveness. Um, I don't like to lose. A lot of people know that. Um, but if I do, when I do lose, I'm, I'm gracious with it, but I don't like to lose. And so um, I feel like I instilled that um, in my student athletes and my coaches. And that's why we were so dominant um, when I was at Alabama State. So um, I want to take you back to, let's say, March 9th, 2020. That's when my youngest daughter was born. So that is two days before the NBA shuts down. Tell me how much different the world was, you know, um, as you as that week started and everything seemed okay, and then the world changed in you know a couple of days. How did you, as an athletic director, start to process everything and and all the changes that you would have to make over the next year? Yeah, it was a lot because just the week before, I was in Texas. I was in Houston for our last basketball contest before we went to the champ to the uh, conference tournament. And so you kind of was hearing the rumblings um, internally before it got announced publicly about conferences uh, shutting down their basketball tournaments. But my immediate focus shifted to my student athletes. Um, you know, I once I kind of everything was set in stone that we would not be playing. Um, I've had a meeting, emergency meeting with our coaches, and I instructed them to get on the phone and contact and have, you know, their, get their kids to make sure their student athletes were okay. Because, um, you know, you work so hard as a student athlete and then to have something just taken away from you, that's hard to process as an 18 to 21 year old. I mean, it was hard to process at my age. So, um, you know, but as, a, as adults, we have to be strong. And so I, I wanted my coaches to make sure they contacted our student athletes. And then it was going into our campus shutdown. So how do we get our kids home safely? You know, I'm at an institution that's a limited resource institution. Um, it's not like Carolina, um, a lot of first generation college students. And then I have a lot of international students and the borders were shut down. So making sure they were safe. So um, it went into planning mode. Um, but again, as a, you know, one of the skills sets of being a student athlete, you know how to flex, you know how to pivot and you're cool under pressure. And so um, I was able to, I had an executive staff, we got everything together. We figured out um, you know, how to keep our international students safe, those who could not get home, how to provide support for them um, and our coaches through um, counseling and, and just making sure they understood that their mental health matters and that, that we were here to talk to them. So um, it was crazy, but we managed and um, all of our student athletes were able to get home safely. Those who weren't, we were able to have housing on campus and the NCAA did provide for grants um, to use grant money to be able to take care of those students who um, didn't have a place to go. Do you think people truly understand how trying a time that was for, for everybody, you uh, from the athletic directors, but especially for the students, athletes, do you think people understand that? I don't think so. Um, I, I really don't. And I, I had to take it back to, I don't know how I would have responded as an athlete during that time. Our student athletes who went through the pandemic are just so resilient. Um, you know, it's been hard. And, you know, to, especially I think about my spring sports, you know, to have their seasons just completely taken away from them, um, you know, that's hard, you, you know? And so 
it was a challenging time. I don't think people on the outside looking in, because I think selfishly they just wanted to see sports and they wanted to have a, a, a NCAA tournament and be able to come together. And because the NCAA basketball tournament is phenomenal. It's the best time of the year. And so I think selfishly people were like, you can still do it, but they didn't really understand how this pandemic was spreading and how, you know, it really was becoming a health concern. And so then the mental anguish that our student athletes and our coaches had to deal with, because coaches like they're normally a type personalities, like like to be in control. And I used to tell my coaches, COVID has to control now. We just have to adapt and flex. And so um, I personally don't, unless you kind of live through it and saw it every day, I don't really think the outside people looking in could understand really understood what was going on and all the changes we had to go through to get our kids home and then to bring them back when it was time and testing. It's just, it was a lot. One more on that. And then we're going to go back to your UNC days. Um, when you had to tell your student athletes and your coaches that they weren't going to be playing, you know, for a season, how hard was that? Um, it was extremely hard. Um, you know, especially, like I said, um, a lot of our kids were, we were going into championships. So our winter sports were about to start the part of your season. You really look forward to a championship. And then spring sports, just, they didn't even get off the ground. And I had just hired two new coaches in my spring sports. So it was hard for them as well. But, um, you know, to look them in the eye and just tell them, you know, that it was over, it was hard. You could see the disappointment. They want to play. You know, I wanted them to play, but I knew that at the time it just wasn't safe right now because it was so many unknowns. And so I do think for the most part, um, you know, our kids internalized it. I always tell them, give it a 24 hour rule. You let it hurt, you know, do what you need to do. Cry it out, have the ugly cry, whatever. But then at 24 hours is up, <laughs> we got to move on. And, um, you know, our kids, they, they're champions. You know, like I said, we come from a, a championship mentality um, when I was at Alabama State and so we talked about what the next year looked like and I think once they knew that they could have their year back in scholarship that helped a lot and um, I, I was on D1 council during all those conversations and the, the folks who serve on D1 council those ADs SWAs conference commissioners um, it was a it was a tough time and I think that a lot doesn't um, a lot of those folks who were on in D1 council, because our meetings went from like once a month to every week to figure this out. And so I think a lot of the administrators don't get, and not that we want a applaud on the back or the accolades, but it was a lot of hard work in mapping through this and figuring it out. So kudos to the doctors um, who worked, you know, to, to give us information to our council and to really help us figure everything out. And then to just the administrators who came together to figure it out because no one's been through a pandemic. So this was new to everyone. Yeah. yeah. I don't think the common person, me included, maybe, um, understands that you're an athlete, you're a student athlete, and then it comes up and then it's over. And mm -hmm. then what? Because a lot of these kids, um, young men, young women, they don't really have a lot to go home to. Um, they have college life and even at a school like Carolina, there's so much more involved than just, you can't play this sport where it's like, where am I going to live? Where am I going to eat? Um, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to stay healthy? And to get them all back and get back to where we are now, where 
sports are happening. I mean, it's still a little weird um, <laughs> in some situations, but I think folks like yourself and, and so many others and the athletes themselves, I mean, I, I don't think that, that we can show as much gratitude as necessary um, for everything people did um, like you and your shoes at Alabama State. Yeah, it was it was a challenging time. Um, but again, I, I I tell I had a great team. Um, it wasn't just me. I had an awesome team. And then just a great um, our student athletes really um, they locked in. Um, that's why we made sure that the, the resources for mental health services was just he heavy, whether it was virtual um, you know, those who were still on campus that we had that aspect because we knew it would be tough. Um, a lot of these people, um, a lot of these, a lot of our student athletes, this is, this is their family, you know, Alabama state, their teammates, that's their family. Some of them didn't have places to go. And so, um, you, that, that was hard. And so we did allow, you know, and I was thankful, you know, that the leadership did allow for those who may not have been international, but didn't have anywhere to go to still remain on campus um, because we couldn't have our kids be out in the streets. And so thankful for the NCAA for giving the grant money um, to support, but it was a hard time. And I, I don't think, uh, you know, the, the person, people who aren't in our world as administrators understand because the nurses, you know, thank goodness for our student health, um, for our nurse, um, you know, our, our doctors on campus, because they worked tirelessly, our sports medicine staff, you know, they were to me the unsung heroes throughout all of this because they were on call 24 seven, especially when we had our kids come back with the testing mandates, the contact tracing, the isolation, the quarantine. It was, it was a lot. I tell people all the time, I feel like I have a third degree in COVIDology because <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I know, everything from PCRing to antigens to swabs now and self-home kits. It's, it's so much that goes into it. Um, but we were resilient. I think all of um, the college administrators and the athletes across were had one goal, and that was to return to their sport safely. And it's good to see now that we are getting back to some normalcy, but it's still, the pandemic's still here. It's just, you know, we are better equipped and have more knowledge on how to kind of manage it. Yeah, that, that book will be one to read. Well, nowadays <laughs> it'll be something streamed on Netflix or, or yeah. whatever that people watch. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's transition back. Um, and I'm gonna steal Sherelle's question. How does a woman from Detroit end up in Chapel Hill? Tell us that that's story. A, that's a good question. So um, Carolina was actually really late to the game recruiting me. Um, I'm their first player for Michigan. So I don't feel that bad. Like it's not like, cause I was a top 25 player. So maybe I just wasn't on coach Hatchell's and coach Calder's radar at the time. Cause they just didn't come up to the cold to get people. But um, they um, actually saw me in DC. I think it was at a junior national or junior Olympic tournament and coach Hatchell called me from Hawaii on her Nike trip and I had like a voicemail when I got back home and was like you know we want to offer you we want you to come on a visit we want you to be down the first visit um to be us and I couldn't believe it because I was just like my dad started going crazy like that's Michael Jordan school because like I said I got letters from Tennessee from Duke from Notre Dame uh, Virginia Georgia Tech Miami 
Southern Cal, like all these other schools. And I was just like, dang, well, Carolina. And I didn't think, you know, because I, I actually was on my way to Colorado. I, they were the first school that sent me a letter. Um, I love their coach, had had a rep, built a relationship with them. But Carolina came in and um, I came on my visit. Uh, in Michigan, we actually played basketball in the fall which is now different. It's changed now. But when I was in school, we played in the fall. And so I wasn't able to get out on the first week. Um, they wanted me to come down when it was a football game and everything. But I came the second week of September and I had a blast. I just, the people were so nice. Um, I was remember walking on Franklin Street and people kept just smiling and speaking. And you don't get all that in Detroit. Like it's really kind of you know, mind your business, keep your head down and get to where you need to go. And so that was something new. And then it was super sunny. It was the skies were Carolina blue. And I just remember, you know, my dad was like, hey, do you want to commit here? And then I was like, well, let me just wait and get out the element because I'm calling the element. But then when I got back to Michigan, I was like, yeah, I'm going there. And that was my first visit. I ended up like that was my only uh, uh, official visit. I took unofficial visits. But that was my only official visit. And I was just knew I was, you know, you just know when you know, you know. So how did you, I'm curious, how did you call the Colorado coach and, and be like, hey, I know you spent all this time recruiting me, but I'm going to Carolina. It was it was tough um, <laughs> calling uh, Still Barry at the time because I did build up a relationship with her. And Debbie Ryan, too, of Virginia. They came to my high school and I spent the whole day with Debbie Ryan. So, but my dad, again, you know, it was accountability and responsibility. He made me call everybody. And um, but to me, that teaches you how to step up and have tough conversations with help me be an AD and, and in my administrative role. It was hard, but, um, you know, they thanked me and it was a respectful exchange. And they told me that if things didn't work out at Carolina, I was always welcome to transfer to Colorado. And to me, I thought that was classy. And so, yeah. And now what, you're in what, Colorado. Yeah, you I know. <laughs> I said it's crazy how the universe works. And let me tell another story. So I remember when Silberry actually came to my home. She told us, she told my parents and myself that in 2003, that NCAA tournament they were going to host. Whatever teams came out there was going to have a hard time breathing, and they would they would make it out of that like section that that region. So we, Carolina, ended up going out there as one of the teams. We were the three seed. Colorado, I think, was the sixth, and Colorado ends up beating us. So I lost to Colorado in my last game. Yeah. Mm. Huh. Yep. I know, right? It works. It, it comes yeah. around. You it know, does. you know, they they tell that story on the on tours when you go on campus that Phillips <laughs> Hall is based upon a building at the University of Colorado. So there's some linkage there too. It's some. The I didn't, so I hadn't heard that story. I heard that. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I used to give tours, so that's one of the things. Okay. Uh, if a list, listeners, if you hear this and I said it wrong, please correct me. But I'm pretty sure Phillips Hall was designed after like a building at the University of Colorado Boulder. So there you go, mm -hmm. random Carolina campus trivia. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so tell me what wh what was the highlight, or give me some highlights from your Carolina basketball career. Some of the things that. I won't say how long ago it was, but some things these oh. years later that you remember now. I'm when I when I when I joke on her, I'm joking on myself too. So yeah. Well, I mean, I was a little bit before y'all. So I mean, come on, man. Oh my gosh, so many memories. I'm just gonna. Say, I'm glad we didn't have Facebook. Like Facebook came out just like our last year at Carolina. But all these social media, I'm glad that we did not have that when I was in school. But um, some memories, um, I I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, we took our international trip. We went to Australia. 
Um, so that was just, and we got to fly like first class there. And it was, it was amazing. Like we were there for two weeks, um, just a great time. Um, just being with my teammates, you know, we had a fun group. Um, just, we, we knew how to have, have a good time. We were had a good mix of people. And then around the other athletes, you know, that was our family. Um, you know, we hung out a lot with the football team, uh, men's basketball, obviously, um, volleyball, they, cause they were, we all shared Carmichael together and, um, softball. So the camaraderie and the support, I'm the track team. I remember I could not make my mile and coach Hatchel had the rule. Like, if you don't make your mile, you don't play. And so they didn't tell me that on my visit because I would have been running some miles in Michigan because I just don't, I, that, that wasn't my thing. And so I remember the track student athletes, they were out there supporting us and helping us run and, and giving us tidbits on, you know, how to, you know, make the mile. And so it's things like that, that people don't see that support. And, um, you know, going to obviously the NCAA tournament was a fantastic experience and um, just, you know, the sport, like, while I don't, I didn't like practice. I mean, we had some funny moments. I love the games, you know, just, you know, you go out there, especially our games against Duke, obviously. Um, always good games. I think they blew us out one year in Cameron. It was like a snowstorm. I'm blaming on the snowstorm that came in. But um, we all Why'd y'all show really... up? Wait a minute. Why'd y'all <laughs> even go over there? <laughs> I don't know. We should have just said the ice on 55, 54. We couldn't make it. But um, it, you know, it was just always heated competition. And um, I, I just, I miss playing the game. Like that, the games were just phenomenal. I can't even experience, like just put it in words. Like going into Cameron, um, even for the women's game, it's, crazy out of control and NC State I remember them playing the Smurf song on the PA when we were warming up and you know they just take it to another level at NC State but <laughs> that's a whole another conversation um but I just I, I love my experience um it's hard to just pinpoint one thing but everything was great what was your uh, record against Duke <laughs> okay so I'm gonna say that we won once against Duke some teams didn't win at all we won my freshman year, uh, senior day against Duke, but then we we lost in the ACC tournament against them all the, like all my years. Uh, we made it and we end up losing. And my junior year hurt because we were up, I think with, it was like two minutes left in the game, and we was that the one? Losing. Was that the one on Martin Luther King Day? No, this was at the ACC tournament. Oh, at ACC. Um, okay. okay. Yeah, gotcha. this was. Okay. Yeah, and we just yeah we we thought we had it, and that one that one hurt. So would you say those are – and I'm sorry, Sherelle. I'm bad for this. I told you I wing it. Uh, no, you're good. <laughs> I, um, what was the toughest part of being a student athlete at Carolina? Hmm. Whether on the court or not. Preferably not because I'd like to know. Yeah, that's what, what I was – Hard being. Okay. I, for me, I think it – I'm going to say time management. And I'm going to say, but for me, it was, oh, I was okay with it because my high school prepared me a lot for that. But I did see a lot of my teammates struggle with time management um, because so much was required of us to uh, practice. Um, we did, and then not going home too. you know, it wasn't like, okay, we had to be there in the summer. Like you didn't have to, but you kind of had to, um, you know, based, especially if your grades, if you need to catch up and make sure you know, you were eligible and you needed some courses in the summer and then to train. So those who were homesick, um, I think I was the farthest away 
Um, that was hard, not being able to get to my family as much, not being able to go home for Thanksgiving. Um, I don't think some people realize, so, you know, going to teammates who may be closer because you had to turn back around, we're in season. Um, not being able to stay home extended periods of time for Christmas. Um, you know, just some of the sacrifices that you had to make, especially if you weren't local. Um, that, that was hard for me. Um, and then sometimes, you know, it was internships, being in the J school with Sherelle, you know, it was things that we couldn't do as student athletes because it conflicted with our athletic, you know, life and what we had to do for our athletic um, requirements. So that was hard, especially when you knew, like me, I was a realist. Like I knew that if I went pro, it wasn't going to be for years. So I had to, you know, I wanted to take some of these internships and different things, but it just, you, you couldn't do it really because of the schedule. So I see you have on your, your hoop five shirt. And for those who don't know, well, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you explain it, but uh, the Carolina men's basketball team talks about family. That is their thing. Family, family, family. Um, you know, I think it was born from coach Smith and, you know, through coach Guthridge and Doherty to coach Williams and now to coach Davis. Can you tell me about the, the women's side of that and, and how you all um, are, are like a family and how, um, if she has, how Coach Banghart has kind of kept that going? Yeah, so, um, you know, Hoop Five, that, that's what we say. That's our saying. Um, you know, that's our organization now. Um, we actually have formalized Hoop Five where we have a board, and um, I'm part of that board. Um, myself and my teammate, Tiffany Tucker, we actually have a page on Facebook, which has helped us kind of stay in touch. It's an alumni page. And, um, you know, we work very closely with Coach Hatchell and her staff, obviously because we all of us have played for her and, and Jennifer Alley too. Some of her her players are part of Hoop Five too. And I actually worked for Jennifer Alley, who was a coach before Coach Hatchell. So that was kind of a bridge there. Um, Courtney has definitely um, worked to keep that relationship. Um, you know, we have ha had Zooms where we've had to gotten a chance to interact with the current student athletes. Um, it really, to me, is what, the players make it in terms of um, being a part of the current staff and, and, and connecting with the, that staff and those players. But Courtney has definitely um, worked with us. Um, you know, I'm, Tori is no longer with the program, but that was kind of our liaison to Hoop Five. She just left this, uh, I think, last year. But now um, we're working, I believe, with Megan. I just got an email from her about our alumni day. So they do recognize the importance of keeping the alums engaged and involved. And um, HUFI is our way of just that bridge, the alumni group. Um, I wish a lot of us could be, were more local, who could get back and kind of talk to the players now. Um, I was on campus back in May um, and I had a chance to stop by practice and ran into Paris Key, Rashonda McCants were there. They thought we planned it, but we just were on campus and stopped in. And so um, Coach Banghart, was really gracious. We were able to watch practice. We talked to the players afterwards, took pictures. Um, they let us sign the alumni wall. So um, they have extended and they understand the need to keep the alumni um, connected. Um, Cause you know, you never know how that can help your pipeline. And as a player, I used to love seeing the alumni come back, you know, seeing Marion Jones come back, Tracy Reed, um, Chanel Wright Green, um, just seeing them in the stands and come back for alumni day. To me, that that it helped, um, you know, it, it helped you have that connection with those alums once you got out and you could ask them questions about life after the collegiate landscape. 
I'm going to so, ask a fun question. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Do you have a deep question or a fun question? No, no, go ahead. Let's let's be fun. I'm still in your questions again. <laughs> what was favorite place, your favorite place in Chapel Hill to go eat? And is it still there? Because, God, it's changed so much. It's changed a lot. So Spanky's was one of my favorite places to eat. And I love Suttons. I mean, Suttons is obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I went there when I was back in May, too. So that was like, but if we had a little money and that we were going to spend a little bit, we were going to Spanky's because <laughs> they had some really good baby back ribs and mashed potatoes. And so we used to go there a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, time out after you got out of Players and Treehouse or Gotham <laughs> or Avalon. But um, I really didn't eat that because I didn't, I'm sorry. I may be the only person that didn't, doesn't think Time Out is all that great. So don't. At like don't one o'clock like in the bullet. morning though. At one o'clock well, in the morning. You, after a long I night. Mean, I mean, I guess, yeah. But then you wake up the next morning like, what the heck did I just put in my stomach? So I don't, I would rather just suffer through. Um, I used to like Miami subs too. Um, and I don't think that's there anymore either. So yeah, it's uh, it's a place. It's a place called is it what's what sup dogs or is it what's up or sup dogs? Sup One dogs. Of the two. Sup yeah. dogs. Yeah, that's that's yeah. where Miami subs. Uh, that's it. The former Miami subs location now. We okay. actually ended up with a uh, high chair from Miami subs in our apartment when I was at Carolina. Don't ask me how. It, <laughs> I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> how did it walk from Franklin Street to uh, behind the fire station? But yeah, that's my memory of that place. That but yeah, I mean, how is it to to go to Chapel Hill and see how much it's changed since you, even since you guys, you young guys were there? <laughs> yeah, like, no, I was there, like I said, in May. And, um, and I actually had my son with me, um, who at the time was probably, I think he was six months old. And so um, it's so different now. Like even going into Carborough, it's just very, very different. I, I, I mean, I went to Sutton because that's a staple. Um, I didn't walk too far down Franklin Street. But um, I mean, the campus is still to me the same. I can navigate it. I mean, there are some, you know, they've had some renovations done. But Franklin Street is very, very different um, and different in a good way. You know, change happens. Um, I mean, but yeah, I don't a lot of those places I don't even reckon. I think it was like a, a Thai place and some other I think. Is there a Krispy Kreme on Franklin Street? Mm, no, maybe not. It's be. a Target. It used to be. Oh, is there a Target yeah. going down? Yeah. So, yeah, if we would have had a Target there when I was there. <laughs> it would have been a problem. I go to Target like three times a week. It's really bad. I have a problem. My, my, my son's a freshman up there and he stays in Granville. Yeah. And he's, and he's like, I need something. I was like, go to Target. It's right there. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous yes. how much it's changed. <laughs> see, this is why she is an athletic director because she's so positive. You see what she said about, oh, change is necessary. Change is good. Like, no, I want it to be exactly the way it was on June 5th, 2004. <laughs> I don't want it to change. I want, it, I want everything to be lined up, Miami subs and players in Avalon and, you know, Tyron uh, over here, McAllister's down here. I want everything to look yeah. exactly the same. Um, yes, it's been 16 years, but um, but that's that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's why you you are where you are because you have a very positive attitude uh, ab- about things. Um, I I wanted to ask one more kind of high level question before we let you go, and it, it is very very high level. So if it's if it's too high of a level, let me know. Um, but really, I just want to get your feel for how much women's basketball has changed since you played. Like how different it is, the styles, the players, all all that good stuff. Okay, so. 
it's a lot different. Um, I'm gonna just talk about appearance. We wore baggy shorts. I looked at my Letterman's jacket. I just brought it out. I'm actually, I'm coming back to Carolina next week for homecoming. And I had my jacket. I'm like, why did I get this thing so big? And I was a much smaller then. And I'm like, this is like a, a football. It's like an XL in men's. Like, I feel like a medium in sweatshirts and stuff in men's. I'm like, why would I do that? And then I looked at our uniforms. Like I was wearing those like practice shorts. I wore those while I was pregnant. And I'm like, why did I have these shorts this big? Now girls are in full glam. I don't know how people, we used to clown people who wore makeup when they played. Now we may have put on some waterproof mascara if we had a television game, but anything outside of that or got our, you know, fresh braids done. But now girls are just decked out, lashes, nails. I don't know how people play in nails because I'm like, my nails are like way too long now. And it's like, I don't know, it's different. But I, I mean, I get it with name, image and likeness you might be trying to get a deal. So I'm not mad at the girls. I think they look beautiful, um, but it's definitely different. The rolling of the shorts that look like diapers, I can't get with that. Um, I just, I, I can't, you can wear little shorts, but you don't have to tuck them in. Like that's too much, but um, it's different. I think the style you're seeing more, um, you know, I was a short post player. I think girls are more versatile now who are taller, um, you're seeing them be able to be wing players and handle the rock, um, not really in the traditional roles. Um, but outside of that, I think it's pretty much the same. I, it's good to see that people are coming out to games and that um, the popularity um, is, is, is growing because I did, you know, I, I go to the final fours and I really felt like the women's final four was better than the men's this past year. So, um, We'll see. We'll see what happens with Minnesota and New Orleans. What do you think the women's game can do to build more viewership, interest from, you know, because there's still a big set of folks that are just like women's basketball is boring. I mean, right. Like, so how do you, how does the game change that? Because I actually think when it's being played well, it's pure. It's more pure basketball yep. rather than just a bunch of guys that can run and jump and dunk. How how, do, how does the game get more followers yeah um i think the dollars have to be invested in the sport i mean that's coming out now with the ncaa gender equity report um you have to it takes money to make money you know and so you got to pour the same amount of resources into what you're doing for men's basketball it makes no sense that women's basketball is just not being branded as march madness um you know the availability because we were even talking about the brackets like you see the men's brackets all the time, but you don't really, you got to go search to find the women's bracket to fill out. And so I think that um, the relationships, I think people have to do a better job of telling the narrative behind some of the women's story, because again, those women typically are going to be there for four years where a lot of the men are one and done. So you can really develop a rapport relationship and getting those ladies out in the community. Um, I think that helps too. Um, you do see areas, I feel like it's definitely grown from when I played on um, the fan base. And even when I was working, um, my initial working at DePaul in the Big East. Now you saw Notre Dame has always bought fans. Um, UConn has always bought fans. Tennessee, you know, you have those fan bases who really show out for women's basketball. But I think now more people are getting behind it because it's fun. And then making the atmosphere 
you got to create a lively atmosphere. You know, that goes into your marketing teams and what they're doing as well, because we don't have the dunks. Now, I mean, you have some girls that can dunk now, but consistently dunking the basketballs. But what, how do people leave or how are they feeling when they're in their game environment? And to me, that goes to creating a lively environment where there's somebody on the mic, there's a DJ, it's lively, you have your video board. But I really think getting the players and talking to them and sharing their story and narrative, it helps create that connection. And little girls need to see women in these roles because representation definitely matters. And so the more visibility that these female student athletes can get, I think that's gonna help the game to grow. Well, JT, we, uh, excuse me, Jennifer Lynn, we really <laughs> appreciate you uh, joining the IC podcast. I have one just quick question for you. Um, so for those who don't know, her husband played football in North Carolina Central. Who was yep. the best athlete in the family? Oh, obviously me. I mean, <laughs> you notice how she no got brainer. quiet. She, yeah, yeah. I was like, because I was trying to see if he's listening and then I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to go into too much detail. But yeah, I'm clearly the best athlete. <laughs> The and family. then she gave, then she gave me the like, why are you asking me this? Look, you know the like, answer. Like, why are you asking? You know me? the answer, sure. Yeah, like, yeah. Go back. <laughs> no. Now my husband's and, pretty. He's pretty. He's pretty nice too. Like he got some hops. But yeah, when we talk about the total, I think my my IQ from the game. And he's a football player, so it's different. But you know, football players always think they can play basketball. Yeah. And I'm like, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. <laughs> well, again, thank you. We really appreciate it. Um. Have you ever been to Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm planning on going there. I have to get some gear. I went there the last time I was there and bought some items. Well, did you know that they are the official sponsor of the Inside Carolina podcast? Boom! I like how you did that. Did you know <laughs> that? I did, not, I did know that they were the official sponsor. They a place, are. a place where Inside Carolina subscribers can get ten percent off their everyday order by simply using the code found on the premium message boards. We'll hook you up. Thank with you, Sherelle. Please, I, I need the code. I like codes. I got to get a lot of gear. You know, my husband's a Duke fan. Oh, my God. No, it gets, mm. I know, right? It, it's, it makes it fun, especially during basketball season. Irreconcilable differences. Yeah, that's a... Uh... House divided. <laughs> yeah, really? Well, like Sherelle said, I appreciate you taking time to join us. It's been an enlightening and fascinating conversation with me. I, I could talk forever about this stuff because, you know, I interviewed a young lady earlier, um, in my real life and, and she's, um, early twenties, she knows what she wants to do and, and she's trying to get there. And, and um, mm. I could see her following a very similar track in her field as you follow to, to get towards, um, the top of it really, to be honest with you. And it's, it's been great to talk to you. I appreciate it. And like Sherelle said, we're sponsored by Johnny t-shirt, Johnny t-shirt.com. And, uh, you know, if there's anything we can do for you, certainly let us know, but thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. And I'm glad we were finally able to get a time on. <laughs> um, thank y'all for being flexible. So um, I appreciate it. Always. Thank you much.